we really see ourselves as the public's information broker. And by that I mean, uh, you know, we are the place uh, of, in many cases, just choice, if not maybe last resort, for some people who don't have access to information. And in the digital age, as you know, this is a critically important, especially for people who don't have access to the internet, don't have home computers, don't have broadband. So uh, my job for the next uh, decade, hopefully, is to uh, make sure that this continues to be not only a great institution for its uh, iconic uh, presence, but also uh, in terms of the services and programs we deliver to the public. So fundamentally important, if we think in terms of necessities for people just on a daily basis, housing, food, communication, and information. I think those are two things that have not really until recently been considered that important. Communication, I think, is, as you're pointing out, wasn't always a a central reason for people to come to a library space. Well, I want to build on that a little bit because I think not only if is it about communication, but it's also about building community. Uh, the library system um, in St. Louis, Chicago, New York, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, one of the things that I think we do very well is we provide that third place, if you will. I mean, there's home, there's work if you're fortunate to have a job, or, or there's school. Uh, but the library actually is uh, one of those rare institutions that is um, non-denominational, if you will, uh, non-partisan, and creates a very democratic space for people to come and commune. So, uh, you know, any day of the the week, you can go into one of our libraries and you'll see people of all all stages of economic condition as well as uh, uh, ages, uh, races, uh, using the library. You don't have to register to come into the building. Uh, You don't have to have a pass or uh, an access code or even a library card. We want everybody to have a library card, of course, but um, to to use our facilities. So our job has, you know, uh, become not only to to offer resources that we have in-house, but also to be somewhat of an anchor institution in neighborhoods. There have been studies done, for example, when new libraries are built, and we have a great uh, system of libraries uh, here in L.A., um, where libraries have actually helped to increase businesses around uh, the, 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 the patronage of those businesses because of the library's presence. I mean, people come and go to the library, and uh, so they're going to stop and maybe get a, a snack on the way at a, a restaurant, or they're going to uh, buy some school supplies. Uh, so it, it really makes a difference in, in neighborhoods. How many people visit the Los Angeles Public Libraries each year? Well, in the current fiscal year, 16 million people, um, uh, I should say in the last fiscal year, 16 million people visited the LA Public Library. Now, that's down uh, about a million from the year before, primarily because we had a reduction in hours over the last year. Now, this is the first time, as I understand, that the library in its history has had to reduce hours. Is that right? Very true and very unfortunate. Uh, We were caught up, of course, in the uh, economic crisis that is hitting the city. We were um, uh, reduced uh, about $22 million in this last fiscal year, which required uh, not only uh, layoffs, uh, but also a reduction in uh, service hours. So for the first time, we are now only open five days a week which is uh, the first time in the history of the Los Angeles Public Library they've done so. The public-private partnership, there's a debate that happens around whether or not that's the healthiest thing for public institutions. And I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about why that's so important for the Los Angeles Public Library right now. Well, um, let me step back one moment. Um, 
for five years, I ran an organization called the Urban Libraries Council, which is based in Chicago. And uh, the membership of that organization was the largest public libraries in the U.S. and Canada. And during that time period, what I, one of the trends that I saw was that one of the largest areas of growth and interest for public libraries across the country was to create this public-private partnership. I think everybody realized that um, uh, with the challenges ahead in public funding, there needed to be a way to tap into some of the resources that uh, were perhaps unavailable to them. So many of those libraries created development offices or they created foundations that were kind of adjuncts uh, to uh, help supplement some of the public funding. For us, we're very clear that uh, um, not only do we need the support from our uh, uh, private foundation, but we also, uh, it gives us a chance to do things that perhaps public, public funding is otherwise unavailable for us to do. So, for example, some of the programs we've started, uh, our volunteer um, our reading programs uh, wouldn't be possible without the help of um, the Library Foundation. We're very interested in uh, looking at ways to apply new technology here in the library. That would not be possible with, um, without the support of the Library Foundation. So there are many ventures like that that uh, uh, it, it just would be foolhardy for us not to look into that. Let me just say one other thing. Um, I know, and this is not a criticism in any way, that there are many um, uh, people, for whatever reason, are, are privileged to have uh, personal wealth, and um, they may never uh, have a need to come into the library. Um, however, they have a commitment to try to make Los Angeles a better city. And this is one way for those who have a philanthropic interest to help support not just this institution, but the millions of people, especially the kids who come into our libraries. This is a way to give back to the community and a way for um, uh, the library to benefit. For, so why wouldn't we uh, tap into that? Of course, libraries as a repository for archives and books and the the space for community is extremely important and has a very long history. Libraries as a space for access to technology is relatively new and extremely important because as you just pointed out um, the digital divide is writ large here, I think, in the city of Los Angeles. If you look at public schools, who has access to technology, um, who can go online and do research at home, there is a disparity. And so my question would be, the library, to what degree is it a space where a certain amount of media literacy is happening and where your staff is able to help young people learn what their rights and responsibilities are in that regard? Well, this is a very critical point for the Los Angeles Public Library. Um, it used to be, back in the day as they say, that for students going to school, they would learn how to do research, how to become information literate, if you will, by taking a class in high school or in middle school, I took mine in middle school, uh, how to use the library, how to do research, how to use the indexes, how to use an atlas, how to, uh, you know, identify primary sources, etc. Well, unfortunately, many of the public school libraries these days, and the majority of our students in L.A. are in public school, they just don't have the resources to offer that kind of um, focus on information literacy, not to mention even sustain a school library these days. Now, in California, my recent statistics that I've looked at, ranks number 49, if not number 50, in funding for school libraries across the country. So what's happened now is that our staff, 
this library system has really taken that issue on. We have some staff who are developing curriculum now for creating information literacy students. So when they come in to the library, they're actually walk through uh, on the internet how to identify, you know, what is a re reputable source, what does it mean to do a Google, a Google search, and how we can use, or they can use many of the databases that we subscribe to. And when you think about it, and going back to all back to the history of the establishment of the public library system in this country and elsewhere, a lot of the, the work that those volunteers and those wealthy people who created libraries, uh, which were originally subscription libraries, but Ben Franklin uh, uh, decided that public libraries were critically important for democracy and also providing and as a key part of that uh, democratic access or democratic uh, society there needed to be access to information so books at that point were and they still are important but they're more important then because that's how information was transmitted in those days now so much of the information has become digitized it's only available online uh, that same principle is critically important. So we are still the information brokers. We're still bridging the gap between the information haves and have-nots. I mean, people think that, oh, my gosh, there's so much information out there. Why do we even need a public library? Well, the reality is there's good information, if you will, and there's information that I think is more reputable. And by that, I mean uh, information that has been vetted, certainly uh, that's been published. It's, uh, but if you don't have access to that information, um, um, the only place that you can afford to get it is through the public library, which is provided for free. As a child, when your child, somebody explained to you, here's how, here are the criteria you can use to make a decision in whatever physical form it may take, that is a really critical skill for anybody to have really to succeed in life. And you complicate that by the fact that uh, there are people in this extremely diverse city who maybe English is not their primary language uh, and maybe they're going to need some help. We have uh, bilingual staff in many of our locations. We try to place them in locations where there's uh, uh, dominance of a particular language, whether it's Spanish um, at Lincoln Heights or uh, in Koreatown, a Korean language, or Chinatown as an example. So these are areas I think that uh, librarians who we'd like to think, uh, you know, we are the information professionals um, can really do, I think, the kind of work that is, has been driving many of us uh, over the decades in, in this profession. It's a changing profession and I'm proud to say that uh, with our staff, they're very willing to rise to the occasion. Um, I wish I had more money to support many of their continuing education needs. Um, I think with the passage of our recent initiative, Measure L, that'll give us some time to rebuild the library system. Uh, uh, we have great bones at this library system. And by bones, I mean we have a great infrastructure. We have a great willing and dedicated staff. We have great leadership in our library commission. We have a great library foundation. What we want to do and what I want to do over the next uh, you know, decade is really put the soul and spirit back in this institution. And that can only happen if we have the resources. I'm really happy that we now have uh, a dedicated source of funding that will help us uh, over the next uh, decade. And that would be in Measure L. Measure L is right. Thank the voters. And thank you, Mr. Gomez, the city librarian for the City of Los Angeles Public Libraries, for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to meet you.